Hello and welcome back to Fell from FM. I am joined by um, Helen and Ryan today and also... Uh, Hallam, I'm the assistant interviewee. interviewer. <laughs> so um, we're just going to ask you a few questions about what you do and about your personal experiences with mental health. So if you'd like to... Yeah, so do you just want to introduce yourselves? Uh, I'm Ryan, I work at uh, Western Sussex Hospital, St. Richard's Hospital. I'm gone through mental health issues myself and I'm currently trying to work on making it a better place for everyone. Okay, and I'm Helen Farmer, and I work for the SEM assessment team currently, but I've also worked for Connections as a personal advisor and a careers advisor. Um, so I've come into contact both, uh, well, personally and professionally with, um, with mental health. And you used to be a student here, didn't you? I did used to be a student here, yes, yeah, 1985 to 1993, which makes <laughs> me seem really, really old, <laughs> but yeah. And I also used to, be, used to work as a connections advisor here as well, so yeah. I know the school quite well. I can imagine. Great, so um, uh, why did you feel it was so important to come and talk to us about mental health today? Uh, e either one, we'll just, <laughs> we'll just take it. <laughs> uh, Helen, would you like to go first? Okay, um, I think because I've, I have come into contact with, um, on, a on a personal level, um, but also within my job with such a huge number of young people now that are experiencing uh, mental poor mental health. And I just feel quite passionate about uh, raising awa awareness, I guess, in the hopes that other young people won't suffer in silence and will get the help and the support that they need. Uh, myself, it's more a fact that I'm one of those people that's been through it from a young age. I've watched it progress as I've got older and I'm now in it as an adult. And it's, there's a lot of changes that I feel need to happen for a lot of people younger dealing mm. with these kind of problems. So would you, start to, uh, you mentioned that you have your own, yeah, you went through your own uh, in kind of mental health problems. Would you like to just elaborate on that a little bit? Um, if I put it down to the bog standard, I'm diagnosed with PTSD and major depression. Um, I've, been, I've taken <laughs> numerous tests. I'm going through um, psychology courses to find out if I may be on the autistic spectrum or mm. sociopathic spectrum. We're seeing where that leads at the moment, but there's no uh, definite answer okay. at the moment. So just... Um, do you think there's a there's a negative stigma around mental health and, and what do you think that kind of entails? I think there is in the fact that a lot of people have this broken bone uh, mindset towards it where you go in, you get fixed, you come out and you're better again. And um, it's not like that. For a lot of people, it's not curable. For a lot of people, it's a coping and it's a lifelong commitment to knowing that you have to do this because it does affect you that much. I think the main problem with the stigma is people think it can be fixed very quickly and it always will be. There's... Um, in my case, personally anyway, I've been it for six, seven years now, and nothing's got better, it's just got different. And it, it progresses with you as it goes. What about you, Helen? Yeah, I think there is a stigma. I think, um, I think there is, I think it is talked about more now, which is obviously a good thing. Um, and I think, you know, having events like these um, and raising awareness is really important. But I think there is this... Um, kind of attitude of uh you know it's not visible usually um you can't see it um people will kind of say you know, oh, you know what you've got to be what you've got to be down about um pull yourself together those sorts of uh, mm. attitudes and i think it is uh, unfortunately that's that's ongoing and i think unless we kind of raise that awareness and i think it is really important to do that with young people i think um the kind of raising awareness i think I think young people now do have a better awareness of mental health. 
than previous years because um, you've got things being uh, included in TV shows. You've got sort of like Stacey's bipolar in EastEnders. You've got um, there's also social networking and these kind of events. And I think it's likely that most young people know of someone, whether it's a friend or a family member that has has or is experiencing some difficulties. But I think I think more needs to be done in terms of helping young people to understand mental ill health as well as being aware of it. Um, it's important for to be able to spot the signs in yourself and in others, but also to be able to empathise and understand. And I think that's where perhaps schools could do a little bit more on that. Um, I don't know whether it's getting people to talk about their experiences or discussing what it actually feels like to suffer from anxiety, depression, whatever, um, rather than just being aware that other people do and we should talk about it. I think a gra greater understanding of it would help sort of lessen the stigma around it. Yeah, as you were saying earlier, Ryan, do you think there would ever be, do you think there's a difference between us ever being cured from mental health issues or is it just a way of just dealing with them and managing them? I think it depends on how you look at what the cure could be. Because if you look at a, a cure from a normal viewpoint, it's something that makes you better and then nothing's bad again. But the only cure that there may be for mental health at this period in time is a coping mechanism. And that's fine. People need to understand that that's okay. It's okay to get to that point and just know that that's where it is because we, we haven't progressed enough as a society and understand enough about the mind as it is, especially linked with these dark thoughts. Because you can medicate feelings. You can medicate endorphins and help people feel different. You can't stop them thinking. Mm. Mm. And it's that acceptance of knowing that that will always happen regardless because that's the way someone's head is working. It's, it's that acceptance where it needs to be flipped. That power has to change. You need to be in in control of the feelings to understand the thoughts, not scared of the thoughts and scared of the feelings. But I also think, um, and I agree with that, and I think if you've got a, uh, if you're diagnosed with a particular condition, I think, yes, you know, you, it's something you are, you do have to learn to live with, you do have to learn to manage, you do have to learn to cope. I think there are some mental um, illnesses, however, that you can recover from. And oh, I definitely, think people yes. need to yeah. also know that, you know, if you have, um, if you're diagnosed with depression or anxiety, um, you actually, you know, it's that, realization that actually you can get better it doesn't necessarily mean that there might not be other times in the future when you might experience periods again and i think your your, your mind learns coping strategies um and you know you sort of uh, revert back to to dealing with things in certain ways but i think it is possible to get better and i think that that message needs to go out as well to kind of give that kind of positive actually yeah for some people it is something to manage for other people you, you know you can actually recover I suppose you can get better no I completely agree um I mean I I was diagnosed I've obviously personal experience diagnosed with clinical depression and anorexia when I was 22 which is 20 years ago now and now you know how old I am <laughs> which is a stupid thing to say yeah. um and I think you know yes I was very lucky at the time and the support that I got um some of that was pure chance that um I happened to our local mental health unit was full at the time that I needed to go in, so I went to one of the uh, Priory hospitals, which was very lucky because I got some real specialist expert help there. Um, but that's that was just for a period of time. I think it's about the recovery after that, and it, it's family, mm. it's the treatment that I got, the counselling, the medication, um, friends, also my faith as well has been really, really helpful to me. Um, but I wouldn't, as much as I say, yes, I am better, there have been periods over the years where I have had a relapse for one thing or another. So, and so Helen, would you say you're you're cured or you're coping? I would say I mm, 
I would say I'm something between the two. That this is where the this is where I feel the problem comes in mm. because there's you can go through a lot of a lot of time a, a long period of time feeling completely yep. okay yep. and then it can switch. So that yeah. would mean you're it not cured. Or would that mean you're cured Good and question. now something's gone again? I or has it know. always been a coping mechanism? Mm. Yeah, I, I think there is. there can be a trigger. Something can trigger mm. um, things deteriorating. Um, it's, I would say that I've, I'd say I'm more than coping um, because that kind of gives the impression that, you know, just kind of keeping your head above water. I think I'm more than coping, but I wouldn't say I'm cured. I think it's always going to be my default um, coping strategy will be with the food and I guess with the depression that's something that I don't have so much control over I suppose that is something that is that big it's that black dog that you uh, you always know it's there in the shadows and you just hope to god it never comes back again thankfully yeah. for me medication works and has always worked and I'm really lucky in that respect because I know it doesn't work for everybody um, and I would never advocate that without talking therapies mm. as well I think that's really really important um so yeah, somewhere between the two in answer to your question. But we have to we have to accept that that's perfectly fine, don't mm. we? We have to accept that that's a, a good that's a good positive thing to be. You mm. can still live a fulfilling Absolutely. happy life and Definitely. deal with these problems. It doesn't necessarily mean you're cured. No. It just means for yourself un under your perspective you found a way that works. Yeah. Mm. yeah and it's also being able to spot the signs in yourself as mm. well. And actually sometimes that's really difficult and quite often it's other people around you that notice things before you do. Um, I, you know, my husband might say, um, I mean, I've been fine for quite a while, but he would s he'd say, you know, you, you're all right. You've been a bit quiet the last couple of days. And it's only when I, when he pinpoints it, I kind of think, yeah, do you know what? I'm, I'm feeling a bit low. Um, yeah. And it's about other people, you know, having that support network around mm. you that even if you're not aware of it, because let's face it, life is hectic. Yeah, and you having just get that on support, with someone who can recognise no, yeah, it. Yeah, it's really important. Yeah. You touched there on kind of, you were diagnosed a long time ago and you went yes. through health a long time ago, but yep. do you think there's been a certain improvement in how organisations and, and, you know, the NHS, for example, and other mm. other kind of mind and calm, do you think there's, is if you were maybe the same, you know, 20 years younger, you went through it today, would you maybe have better health or would it be worse? I don't know that it would be, oh, it's a really hard question to answer, would yeah, it be sorry. better or worse? <laughs> I was really lucky with the help that I've yeah. got and I, you know, I'd always be grateful for that. Um, and that's from the professionals as well as family and friends. Um, I think I think I would have been more aware of it mm. if I was growing up now, just because it is more talked about. Um, I would might have recognised it more in myself, I suppose. Um, but I still, um, you know, in terms of what, what help there is out there, um, one of the questions I think you got was... Um, you know, do we think that the government does enough yes. to help young people? <laughs> um, which is a huge question. I, uh, quite honestly, I think the simple answer is no. There isn't enough money being spent on support services for anybody with mental health needs, um, whatever age. And I think what's key about that support for young people is that if that support's put in place early enough, then hopefully things won't reach crisis point and they will be mentally healthier adults. So in turn, that means less demand on adult mm. mental mm, health support. Definitely. And actually would save money in the long term. Um, I don't, th you know, th there's always talk about that, you know, government are putting more money into, into mental health. And, you know, it's kind of, I, I haven't seen it myself in yeah. the job that I do. And last year in particular, they cut a lot of the yeah. funding for yeah. mental health. Yeah. So. yeah. 
And I think, you know, there are support services available. We've got youth, emo youth emotional support team. We've got Young Minds. You've got counselling in schools and colleges. You've got early help. But the waiting lists are still yeah. immense. Yeah, they're huge, aren't they? Um, and even longer waiting times if you want um, CAMs to get involved. So, um, yeah. And I think if you need any sort of diagnosis or actual treatment, it takes a long time to get any help. I think there are lots of people out there doing some absolutely brilliant work. There's just not enough of them. Yeah. And I think, you know, if we could clone every uh, <laughs> every <laughs> mental health worker that would be wonderful um and i just don't know how bad it's got to get before before the government yeah. think would i on. be able to chime in on a of point course. helen just made yeah definitely um you mentioned that you think the government aren't well they aren't doing enough and i think that's it's it's easy to see but the the bigger picture of it is we still as a society don't know enough no. so mm. granted they're not doing enough but they are and we are the nhs everyone is working with the best we have yeah oh i completely and agree th the problem yeah. is the best we have isn't enough it's no. not it's yeah. not it's not even the government's fault it's not the nhs's fault nope. it's not anyone's fault it's just we are we do not know enough about mental health mm. yet so if we could put more funding and more research into things that would be that would be wonderful but there's mm. no guarantee of that producing anything because we don't understand it enough and if you don't understand something you can't positively say you're going to understand it no but i think that the there is a better understanding and I think in order for anything to happen at all in terms of you know increasing levels of support or understanding there's got to be more money put in to do that you're not going to get the caliber of people working mm. with you know with people with mental health issues um, unless you put that money in there and get the you know really good people doing really good work um, I do. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, Ryan. I do think that there is something about understanding in there, and if we do understand it more, we know better how to help and what to put in. But you still come back to there needs to be the money there in order course, to pay yeah. for that, and I just don't think there is at the moment, which is you know a real shame and needs to change. And if we could figure yeah. that out, we'd all be politicians. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'd be doing this job. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you think there is a mindset where, you know, when people when they're, when they're allocating funding, they'll think, mm. oh, we'll put. 15, I know, just plumping numbers out the air, mm. but we'll put 50 million into physical into physical health and 10 million into mental health because physical health, they believe physical health is a much more serious issue and, and it maybe it's not and, um, and that's the mindset that comes out. Physical health covers a much wider spectrum. Mm. Mm. Definitely, yeah. So it is, yeah. it is justified to spend more on it. Yeah, I, I, because, I would agree, yeah. Because there is some, you know, things like gastrointestinal problems mm. or colorectal mm. problems or vascular disease. Like, it's not all broken bones, it's not all cuts. Exactly, it's yeah. lots of other stuff going on, yeah. but the mind is one thing. Mm. And it would make sense as a society to put more money into physical health because it affects more people. Yes. And that yeah. that's fine because that they're not doing anything wrong. It still just means we don't have enough in. Mm. No. So, and you can't create more money. So no. it's, it's about understanding where the line is to cut that finely. Mm. But so I also think there's, there's part of it as well in that it, with physical health, it's fixable. It's not always short, short term. But there are, you know, obviously, short. There are short term fixes to yeah. to physical problems. And with mental um, health, there's such a long. And I th yeah, I think that's the process. thing. You know, you can get sort of an eight we eight weeks support from a particular organization well if you've got a you know significant mental health need eight weeks you're probably just about getting to know the person that mm. you're working oh with yeah. um, i've done four six-week courses mm. with uh, personal counseling at the nhs yeah. where i work and it's you know it yeah and it again that yeah. comes down to resources that comes down to how much, yeah, how to much do they that. have mm. yeah. physical health you can fit you know you can't always fix but there is a well it's more visible and you can also see you can see the results more and I think that, that that is part of it as well. Yeah, and particularly with um, younger people who um, may not feel confident talking about their mental health, mm. only having six weeks to talk to someone, they might still not feel comfortable Absolutely. enough to open up completely. So, 
you obviously have limitations there as well. And then quite often you can then, like you said, Ryan, if you've had your eight weeks, then you get part, you know, you can then go back in and request for then it's another person yeah. that you've then got yeah. to spend it's time getting yeah. to know. And, and it's, it's it doesn't really work. It's a really big deal when you find a therapist mm. who is comfortable with you. Yep. If, if you have one that isn't, you don't want to open up to them. You don't want to say anything. Mm. You have to find... Like, on top of all the problems with funding and research, the un under all that, you then have to find a therapist that works for you. Yes. And that therapist is trying to work with about 30 to 40 to 50 mm, different people yeah. mm. all at once. And you get a 50-minute session once every two weeks because that's the free time they have. Yeah. That's it. There is, there's not enough people. There's not enough no. funding. There's not enough of anything being done. And there's some really good people out there that are working in the private sector. And I think a lots and lots more people are going to the private sector to seek support because y you know it's instant. You get you mm. get in straight away. You get the support, but it costs a lot of money. And if you're mm. not in a position to be able yeah. to do that, which we you know obviously some people, are, it's not about prioritising. It's actually there is not the money to mm. do that. Then you are already at a disadvantage because yeah. you've got to rely on the services that are provided by by the government. So. I had a question, took my tongue and now it's gone. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, it's right there. It's right. I've lost. Come on. Come on, Hallam. It's right there. You can do it, Hallam. Oh no. Oh no. This is really awkward. <laughs> it was. It was right there and now just it's gone. Read it off the list. 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 So, from a professional, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Talk about what advice would you give to young people? Who who do suffer from mental health problems? So maybe one similar to yours, or, or just in general, uh, what would you what advice would you give? Talk about it, Talk just about instantly, it. just uh, and accept the fact that you will feel bad about talking about it, mm. and that's just part of it. Yeah. Because it, the if you don't start, you can't finish. Mm. So you have to start, mm. and it is it is going to feel bad. You are going to get upset. You are going to go through tough times, and it will get better. You will find coping mechanisms. You mm. might be cured, as we've talked. It it could lead to very good things, but you have to make that initial start. Yeah. You can't just sit in the dark, mm. and because no one's going to do it for you. At the end of the day, no one is. No one's going to no one's going to set you up an appointment for you. No. Mm. It, and, you know, maybe if you're 13, 14, and you are under your parents' supervision, then maybe they might notice signs and set something up for you. But that's that's a very big risk to take if you know that you're suffering with it and your parents don't. So you have to get in. Mm. You have to start when you know it's happening. So would you say that? I think that, sorry, oh I was just going to say that. Yeah. That was my first thing as well. Yeah, talk about it. Don't mm. suffer in silence. There is support out there, uh, however difficult it can be to get hold of. But if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. Mm. Um, you and don't, so. don't ever feel you're alone. Um, you know, I can assure you that there will be several other people you know who are also suffering. You might not be aware of it, but they're just not talking about it either. Uh, another good and thing for kids yeah. is if they are suffering, do talk to your parents, do talk to your yeah. family, because a lot of it can be hereditary. A lot of family members who have suffered with depression have kids who suffer with depression. Ed, it's I've know about three people in my family on different medications. Mm. Yeah. You you just have to you have to you mm. have to break. And if that you can't, wall. if you don't have that relationship with your parents, then do talk to somebody yes. else. Whether it's then a friend, it's whether it's somebody at mm. school, whether it's um, you know contacting somebody, young minds, you know whatever. Just find somebody to talk about. And I think importantly, like exactly like you said, Ryan, it you, it can get better. Um, I I remember when I was in hospital and I was feeling like there was absolutely no point trying, that things would never get better and that I would never feel any different because I think that's one of the things when you are in it, you cannot imagine ever feeling any different than you are then um, and you know that that's how it's going to be. And I made a decision to give myself a chance. I said to myself, right, well, I need at least needed to try. I had to give myself the chance of a future. Um, and if it didn't work, I'd not lost anything. I, w you know, I was no worse off. Um, clearly, it paid off. Yeah. I'm glad I did it and life is good now 
Um, and I think you you have got to kind of just do you know yes it feels dreadful it's you know the worst feeling in the world and you cannot when you're in it you cannot see the light you cannot see yourself ever feeling any different what's the point of talking about it mm. it's not going to make any difference it's not going to make me feel any better but I think you just have to give yourself give yourself the chance to do that give yourself the chance to have a have a positive future and by in order to do that you do need to be talking and getting getting the help that you need so definitely uh, just swinging back to um, coping mechanisms mm. so you did talk about coping and stuff but what would you say are sort of maybe your coping mechanisms or ones that you would not recommend but say are are, are good ones to go for, if you will? Uh, regular exercise. Mm. Whether whether you find a sport you like or you go to the gym or you better yourself. I, for one, chose skateboarding mm. because it fills my creative side as well. So I'm a guitarist. I've, I've been to music college. I have a jazz diplomacy and stuff like that. I've done loads of other things. But my coping mechanisms seem to differ out between the two. Mm. But it goes between sport and music. So I went through college as a musician worked as a musician, got a full-time job in the NHS, started skateboarding, and now I'm getting back into music again. And it, it happens like that years, you know, months at yeah. a time. And that's okay. It's okay to go back and forth as long as you're doing something that's positive and you're keeping healthy. Keep your mind, keep your body healthy yeah. because it, it is all connected. You are one person. If you, have, if you, if you eat lots of crap food, you're going to feel crap. Mm, you're going to feel bloated. Yeah. You're going to feel horrible. And then that will make your head feel worse because you don't want to move. And then when you don't want to move, you think too much. When you think too much, you get down. Yeah. And it all links. Vicious circle. Every yeah. Thoughts, and yeah. And because you feel down, you eat more crappy food because yeah, it yeah. makes you feel better. Cause sugar. It's a very vicious yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. cycle. So I, I, yeah. I would say a very good one is regular exercise. Yeah. Keeping yourself healthy. Keeping yourself upbeat. Do going out more. Don't just sit at home. Even if you... Nothing I do. I, once a week, I play pool with a friend of mine. A very close friend of mine. He helps me with a lot of stuff. And every time we play pool, afterwards we go outside. And we can talk for an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, just standing outside the pool club, and he will just happily listen. I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a friend like that. Mm. I know a lot of people don't, but if you can find a friend like that to confide in, it is, th is one of the best things you could ever have. Yeah. I think, I, you know, yeah, I <laughs> if, I s if I sit here and advocate exercise, then anyone listening to this that knows me will just laugh. <laughs> 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 um, but I do, th yeah, I do absolutely agree. I think it is a really, really good thing to do. I would also say about the keeping busy, so don't having time on your hands is the worst thing it certainly is the worst thing for me mm -hmm. it's about keeping busy and it's also about keeping busy with other people so not just doing get keeping busy at home and being alone you know isolating yourself i think is probably one of the worst well certainly for me it's one of the worst things and not you know being around people and also i totally agree where i'm getting out you know even if it's the last thing you feel like doing you've been invited out somewhere whether it's out for a drink or for dinner or whatever and you just think, do you know what? I really do not feel like this. Kind of, you have to almost make yourself. You do, it's, it's a struggle. You have to say, right, there's no question here. This isn't optional. I'm going to do this. And then once you, I, I can assure 99% of the time, once you get out there and you get to that evening and you're with other people, it kind of brings you out of, of yourself. Yes. And you suddenly kind of, not even realising it, suddenly realise, do you know what? I'm actually feeling a bit better. I'm actually having quite a nice time. That's the power I was talking about. But it's forcing yourself mm. to do it is, it's, is it's really hard. It's having that power over it. Yeah. It's not letting it control no. you. And it, it's a very hard thing to come to realise because it, you can't teach someone to realise that. They have no. to just find it yeah. and it has to get there. Mine was when I started uh, doing positive stuff. I started doing charity work and helping people. Mm. And it, the re like I'm here today and if I wasn't here today, I'd be sat at home thinking. Mm. Yeah. And I'm here today to do a good thing and put positive energy mm. and positive thoughts into my head. Because for me, that's a coping mechanism. I'm here to help me today as much as I am to help yeah. anyone else. And that's fine. Yeah. People can do that. Yeah. Uh, you just you have to find something that works for you. Yeah. And if there's multiple things that work, keep doing them. 
And if you haven't got the motivation to do the exercise or to get out or whatever, then, you know, <laughs> if you're lucky enough to have a really good friend who will come and drag you out, um, even by the hair sometimes, and say, right, you are coming. I mean, that really yeah. helps. So it's like you were saying, yeah. right, about your friend that yeah, you, you meet. It's like, it's not optional. You are coming out. And you, it's that kind of being told you're going to do yeah, it. It's, it's the weekend you're coming to skate. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Okay, okay. Yeah, which is really important as well. So I guess it's it's almost keeping yourself busy but in a positive way. You don't yeah. want to be sat at home drinking or, or anything no, like that. You want to no. go out, do something positive in, and keep yourself busy because you've got to, almost in a way, your mind is your worst enemy, I suppose. Oh, it is, it's entirely. I yeah. My my big my big think, if you will, my mm. big problem is that my own brain is trying to kill me, mm. but un- but out of my control. Mm. And that's uh, that's just fact. That's how it is. So you have to preoccupy it. And as much as that doesn't cure anything for me and it doesn't doesn't make any big significant changes in the short term, in the long term... That's a l- that's me living still. That's me keeping going, and that's the point. Yeah, it, it's not. You don't always think of an end game of yes or no. Think of it's okay to be where I am now, doing what I am now, and that's yeah. fine because it's another day tomorrow, yeah. and it was yeah. another day yesterday. It's probably also worth mentioning as well. I think it is really important to keep busy. I think there is an element as well, and I know I've been guilty of this: is actually trying keeping too busy. And yeah. I think as much as <laughs> your, your yeah. mind is your enemy... We'll put it there. Don't, don't do everything every day. No. You need to rest. <laughs> yes, your mind can be your en- enemy, but equally avoidance is not yeah. a good thing either mm. because... Yeah, you do n- need to deal with it yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Not so just keep, so keep avoiding it all the time. You do the regular exercise mm. around, say, therapy. Yeah. Mm. Around something where yeah. you can deal with it in a controlled environment where you're not on your own and you can try and get the help. Yeah. You're always holding, yeah. the, holding the stick at both ends in a way. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Letting nothing to chance. Letting you n- just knowing where you are, where you stand, and you're in control of it happening. Mm. Mm. And also something I think is important is sometimes when you're in that really bad place, you need to listen to other people because sometimes when you can't see it for what it is, people around you can see it for what it is yeah. and they mm. normally have advice. Like I know personally, when I was in a really, really dark place, I refused to listen to my mum when she was like, you need to get help. And sooner or later, I realised she was right and <laughs> she she was just trying to look out for me. She wasn't trying to force me to do things I don't want to do. And sometimes you do just need to listen to those people yeah. around you. I agree. I think it's easy to kind of, you know, you, you oh yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm, yeah. I'm okay. And actually it's the, the people outside that can see the changes and can see that things are going downhill. Um and it is about listening. Yeah. Um, and uh, I can be been guilty of not doing that and kind of going along oh. with, yeah, I'm fi- oh no, I'm fine. We all under though. control. <laughs> Every, um, everyone yeah. everyone yeah. is. It's, it's again, it's just another part of it. Yeah. It's just another yeah. another issue. So I think the advice for people around someone that's suffering is just keep keep at it, keep keep prodding, keep saying, yeah, know that you're, on, know that you're doing right, the right you're thing, right, you're helping someone, yeah, um, and don't give up. Mm. Mm. So do you think the education system is doing enough to help people suffering from mental health and those people around them trying to deal with those suffering with mental health issues? Um, I think it's being taught wrong. And that's a very bad opinion to have, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I completely agree. What I can see is they tell you that when you feel sad, you're depressed. When you feel low, you're depressed. And that's not true. Emotions are just part of life. Emotions are part of something you deal with and you go through. That has no. L- I don't. I think it can have a link to depression, but depression is more of an overwhelming sense of despair. Mm. It's an overwhelming feeling. It's not an emotion. It's just a mm. a conscious state of not being okay. 
and it's just how and, the, and all these other bits part of it the emotions and the thinking and the overthinking the anxieties they're all just part of it but the bigger picture is that you feel like this when you're conscious when you're awake it's not mm. part of you that feels sad mm. it's not certain times of the day you feel sad while that may be part of it it's because your brain is not acting in the way that you would like it to because yeah. it's, it's perfectly natural for people to be born with these things so I was mm. I would have been born probably normally with no official problems diagnosis mm. obviously and then something traumatic happened and I was diagnosed with PTSD that's now my life I have PTSD that's fine you just have to keep working with it I think the way they teach you that when you feel sad it's bad I think that's a good I think mm. that's horrendous yeah. I think that teaches people from a very early age that you should block those feelings you shouldn't accept them you should push them out and that and just you builds up fe- you shouldn't feel sad that no exactly. sad is, is a wrong is the yeah. wrong thing yeah, and i think it's fair to say that depression sort of proper clinical depression you don't it, it isn't feeling sad no um sad doesn't it really come into it's it it's empty. actually it's numb, numb. Yeah. It's yeah. it is it's nothing i i have yeah. it's it's very hard to build connections with people for me mm-hmm. because i with the with the medication i'm on uh, metazapine if anyone knows anything about them you go through citalopram metazapine all the others and whatnot I've been on metazapine. They just doubled it from 15 to 30. There's talk of me going to 45 because the amount of thought that goes on in my head mm. that I then link to emotions is is ridiculous. Mm. It's it's not okay. So you are just you're numb at all. They they numb you. They give you tablets and it makes you numb, but you can't medicate that thought. Mm. So mm. It, the the emotions are almost irrelevant in that sense. You deal with them afterwards, but you have to look at the bigger picture yeah. because. You know, you can control emotions, you can control mm. the release of endorphins, you can control mm. brain chemistry, but you can't control his brain function. No, definitely. And I think with going back to the, the, the uh, you know, what, what can schools do? I mean, I think go back to what I was saying earlier, really, is it's ab- it's helping. Yes, raising awareness is great and really important, but it's also increasing an understanding of y- young people, for, you know, from a young age of what it feels like to have a know a mental illness or a condition or a disorder or whatever it is i think if you can try and uh, convey that so that there is a sort of this em- more empathy and more understanding that obviously helps with the stigma but it also helps then i think young people to recognize those things in themselves and in others as well um i think you know it's yes we know about it and we seem to know about it a lot more than we used to but do people really understand it mm. do people know what it's like to suffer with you know extreme anxiety or mm. agoraphobia or you know whatever it might be um and i think if people understood it more then it kind of almost automatically follows that they'd be more sympathetic yeah. empathetic um how you do that i don't know i think events like these where you've got people coming in and talking about their own experiences is really helpful and i think perhaps there should be more of that in school as well and not just you know uh, it's got to be young people doing it. It's got to be other people, young people. It's got to be people that are relatable. To Absolutely, young people yeah, yeah, definitely. Otherwise, you're, you know, you're talking about something that's happening to somebody that's in their fifties. Yeah, well that doesn't yeah. relate to me. Yeah, um, and I think that's why we were so excited about doing it. I'm not quite sure what's no. going out <laughs> on outside. People but are I'm cheering. Sure. I think yeah. sh- there's gaming. Maybe someone won. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I'm my scientist side is going to come out now. So Please do. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. Okay. Right. What? How do you feel like mental health ac- illnesses occur? Do you think it's nature or nurture? Um, I think it's both. Yeah. Okay. I think it can be either. I think sticking to one is discluding certain types yeah. of people. Yeah. Mm. So I think it's 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 neither. It's both. It it I depends. I think it can be one. It can be the other. It can be a combination of the two. Oh, I- yeah, entirely. I don't think you can divorce one from the other, mm. really. And I think that there are, um, 
there are di- disorders, conditions yeah, the, that uh, I think you're probably yeah predisposed to. If you'd um, like to get into the science side of things, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Helen, I'll, I'll <laughs> answer this in a second. I can I can explain a basic understanding of how certain spectrums work from certain emotions. Yeah, because go this, for this it. is something I've studied personally. Yeah. yeah, but when you give someone a tablet such as Telepram or Metazapine, what it does is it alters the amount of endorphins released in certain parts of your brains, yeah. and that can either mimic a good emotion. Disclose a bad emotion or cover, and that's what numb is. It can do one or the other. It can do loads of other things as well, and that's the the best outcome really is numb. Mm. But when you have someone who's on a spectrum, that's when the pathways that carry the endorphins have been changed. It's nothing about the endorphins at that point. Mm. It's about the biological mechanics of your head. It's not about what they're producing or what they're releasing. It's about how they do it, and it's about what they're doing. It's no longer about what you feel at that point. At that point, it's a state of mind. That's how the science. That's how the science links into mm. it. it. It has. You have to understand that some people can have both, such as myself. I have major depression and PTSD. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I get very low, very numb, and then because I have PTSD, I get very analytical about it, and mm. I think of very good reasons for me to not be here and for me to be here, and I weigh up those choices mm. constantly. Mm. It's it, if someone has both, it's it's almost like a worst case scenario yeah. Yeah. in a sense because you're fighting two different battles with the same kind of treatment and they both need different things, and you're trying to do it all at once, and it mm. doesn't work, ever. It w- okay, No, not ever. Okay, it can do, but for me, it hasn't yet. No. <laughs> let's just let's put it that way. I don't want to give any bad thoughts to anyone. And something you said earlier, again, Helen, mm. was about trying to help people understand what it's like. Mm. I found that after talking to numerous people, I found quite a few ways where I feel I can explain it to people so they can understand. Yeah. Mm. One, if, you, if, you, if I can, I'd like to explain one. Yeah, fire away. One of... One of the theory, one not theory, one of the um, pieces I had when I'm going to be doing these Swartz talks later on in the new year was about how to understand how someone else feels. And the best way I could come up with it was imagine you're watching a TV show. Uh, the TV show is going on. That's life in that TV show. You, you somewhat care about the people and you have limited emotions towards those people and you care about what's going on. But that's not life. That's just part of it. Mm. Now, me being alive, me personally, feels like I'm watching TV constantly. Like, I'm not connected to anyone because of my condition. It feels like I'm watching TV. So how you feel when you watch TV, how you feel about those people on TV is how I feel about people in real life. And that's horrible. And that's what it feels like. Mm. I see. So it's a, dis- it's a disassociation, yeah, disconnection you, you, you with you anyone. You detach yourself from this real world. Ita- it, yeah, almost entirely. Almost as, in a weird way, a way of coping, I suppose. It's exactly, yeah. yes. And, uh, but sub, you know, subconsciously, mm. I haven't decided no, you this. haven't woken up one day and gone, here's what I'm going to yeah, do. I'm gonna it's happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to wear a TV box and think <laughs> no, 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 everything no, everyone's no. on TV. No. It's no. Um, it's but no. that's what's yeah. really important, is being able to explain it like that so that, you know, people that haven't experienced it can gain some understanding yes. they're never going to be able to put themselves in your TV. head yeah yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly everyone can relate yeah. To everyone's um, watched a soap and cared about mm. you know whether Stacey marries Bill or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone cares it's always in the newspapers and the stories but it doesn't affect you it doesn't no. matter it's no. just TV it's, su- it's superficial yeah it's superficial yeah. that's how I f- that's how I personally feel life is because of my depression mm. it's, it's something I no longer care about it's not a negative emotion it's a I don't really mind it's an indifference yeah, yeah. yeah. a complete indifference complete mm. so um one topic that um, we haven't covered yet is particularly about men and mental health. Why do you think um, particularly suicide rates are so high in men? Because <laughs> as a society, men are mm-hmm. very prideful. Yeah. Mm. And that's, that's not only on us, it's on society, but men are quite prideful. And they, a lot of men believe they can do things off their own back. 
me one of I'm one of them. It, it, we a, a lot of men think like that. A lot of women think like that. A lot of people think like that. But it seems to happen more in men, and I mm. think that's because we're predetermined to believe we're the stronger sex, and yeah, we do all definitely. the hard work and all that rubbish. You know, <laughs> all that. I think also that naturally the difference yeah. between the sexes. Yeah. I think is you know no matter where what theoretical standpoint you're coming from, you know women are more of the sort of caring, sharing. Yes. Yeah. Men are the providers, and they, you know, they the copers, and they get on, and it's just not. But that because being it's the done so long, thing, it's yeah. Now. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not it's the happened, done yeah. thing to talk about your feelings as yeah. a man, and, and kind of the stereotypes that are yeah. around men that don't really no. help them mentally, really. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes it more difficult. I mean, one of the things we've said, you know, what you've got to do is talk about it. Well, if you're a man and you're actually meant to, in, you know, kind of internalize those feelings and just get on mm. with it, talking about it, actually admitting it openly. Is a is a huge thing for anyone, but for a man, I think it is particularly difficult. Um, I, think, I think there is there is a quote in um, psychology, which I can't remember who it's by, but it's something like men systemize where women sympathize, mm. and that, that's very much uh, true. 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 Yeah. Uh, so uh, men in a man in a man's head, this is her basic kind of um, philosophy on the mind. But mm. um, in a man's head, every different subject has its own box, and the boxes never touch. That's fine. And that's how the man. That's how some people believe the man's mind works. And the women, everything is connected. Mm. Everything, you know, money's linked to the car. The car's linked to the house. The mortgage is linked to the kids. Everything builds in. But for a man, it's I have kids. I have a house. I have a car. And you go through it like that. And it, there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean you're you're less or more. It's just that's that's it's how a different way of processing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a different way of processing. But when men have something like that, that means they put that depression in one box mm. and put it somewhere they yeah. can't find it. Mm. Whereas yeah. women bring it into their life and accept it and move forward. Mm. And it's that it's that pride. It's it's that pride of men having that that fear of not being seen as manly enough. Mm. Yeah. Mm, definitely, yeah. And, and I think there's that tendency as well, isn't there, of women women want to talk about it, men want to fix it. Yeah. Mm. Yes. It's yeah. that whole kind of uh, scenario of coming home <laughs> after it a day day at work and <laughs> saying, you know, I had a really really awful day. Uh, this this is the woman. Oh, a dreadful day. The work's been awful. Um, the kids have been a nightmare. Blah blah. And the man's response is, we'll get another job. Yeah, find yeah. Job, <laughs> find, find one and you it's like, like I don't yeah. want you to fix it. I just want to talk about it, I'm, and I I'm, think yeah. that's that. Ca- that's the yeah, difference, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Definitely. And if you can't fix it, if a man can't fix how he's feeling, then it's that kind of all oh, well, our, fa- you know, it's that feeling of of failing really, and mm. not being able to sort it out. And themselves. then that leads to the more negative thoughts because you don't feel like you're good enough. Yeah, you don't feel like you're doing what you should yeah. be doing, yeah. and it, it just spirals and spirals. And also, one of my favourite quotes um, to do with mental health is um, one by Grace and Perry, who said masculinity is confined by an electric fence and outside that electric fence is don't be a sissy Mm. so kind of the whole idea of opening up and talking about your emotions makes you seem like you're emotionally unstable when Mm. really you're not you're just doing a natural human thing Mm. yeah Uh, i think it's another thing that's getting better mind I think that it is. Oh there yeah, are definitely there are well more services today, that are concentrating yeah. on uh, you know and men's there's mental there's health. There's certain groups in society, like, yeah. you know, like feminism, who are supporting mm. for equal rights, and they, yeah. they do. The feminism cares about men's feelings quite a lot. Mm. If you because a, a lot of the stigma around feminism obviously is that it's it's bad men to women, and yeah. then the other side mm. is it's very good for women. But they, what they don't tell you in the media is that a lot of feminists fight for a lot of mental health organisations to do with fully grown men because mm. they understand that it has to be equal, and women are good at this, and men are not. Yeah. There is a, it, it, because of the upbringing of all that coming around, it, we're getting out of that as a society, but it, it, it's slow progress. Yeah, it's the idea that women have things that men don't, but men also have things that women don't, and we're both equally disadvantaged, but we need to change that exactly. so we're not disadvantaged. Mm. We're all... Everyone works together. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so I know from my own personal experience that when I'm going through some stuff, that I always felt to myself like it was just teenage angst, <laughs> and that uh, really that that that's really, really pushed me away. And do you think the how's like how does that affect? Now that's that's a very good point because um, as a young person, if you're say 14, 15, mm. you go to the doctors and you say, I feel like I may have depression. I've been feeling a lot low recently. And what they do is they go, Ah, oh, you're a, you're going through puberty. It's, it's a time. That's thing. normal. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. What the problem is is finding out the difference between that yeah. and I need help. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem is the best we've got is understanding that puberty is essential and it happens to everyone mm. and depression doesn't. Yeah. So the logical answer is to say it's puberty. And uh, sadly enough, again, that's the best we've got. Mm. And uh, likewise, you can't give a 13-, 14-year-old, 15-year-old metazapine or citalopram no. because it's bad for them. It's bad for them at that age unless they have been you know, see, been to a psychotherapist mm. and talked to the professionals about mm. it other than a doctor, talked to specialists to know that that child is okay to take them. But then that process can take years. Yeah. But so you, you have to go through it. But do you think maybe puberty does have a bit of an effect on it? Because at the end of the day, puberty is about your hormones changing. Yeah. And if mental yeah. health is about your hormones changing, surely... They're linked in a way. Yeah, yeah. it's going to yeah. link. My I think you're right, Ryan. It's about working out which is which. Yes. Though. I mean, I think teenage yeah. angst yeah. is a real thing. And let's face it, being a teenager and growing up is, is really awful. hard. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely awful. Um, it's the worst time. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Anyone so who it pretends is otherwise to is lying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is hard to kind of work out, that, you know, what is what is normal, what is what yeah. most people feel, and what is actually that bit further. What is you know, and what's prolonged, what doesn't is doesn't go away. Mm. Um, and I think hormones play a huge part mm. for both girls mm. and boys, as far as um, you know. I think it's quite often if there is an underlying mental health disorder, it's quite often when it it rears its ugly head I suppose when the hormones start to play a part as well and things can kind of come out come to the fore mm. yes yeah, so as we're along the lines of young people mm. um how do you feel like social media affects mental mm. health <laughs> I know this is quite a uh, topic that I just some people are passionate I just like about. to say I, I hate social media <laughs> as, yeah, it, as it stands <laughs> because because ev everyone thinks they're the best at everything on social media yeah. and no one knows anything so, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. it's just everyone is in the same boat on social media but they pretend like they're not everybody's lives are perfect yeah. aren't yeah, they yeah, I mean I've got friends view. who I know put, uh, you know pictures on about oh we'd have this wonderful time my wonderful family and children and I know damn well what's going on in yeah, their own yeah. personal life. Yeah, and I'm thinking, know. hang on a second, that's not what you told me last week. And we're all guilty of it. Um, we all do it. Oh, yeah, we oh, all do it. Yeah. I, I still do it. <laughs> Everyone yeah. still does it. It's just it just I think happens. We've always had the pressures of the media, haven't we? I mean, I think mm. that's that's not changed. Um, I think we've always, you know, whether it's educationally, socially, I think the pressures on young people today are immense. Um, I don't envy anybody going through it now. It was hard enough when I was um, 14, 15, 16. Um, I wouldn't want to be doing it now. I think um, there <laughs> there's quite often it pops up on my Facebook about um, I'm so glad I was grow growing up in sort of the 80s and 90s because all the stuff I did mm -hmm. and got up to, nobody knows about. You yeah, know, if I was doing it today, this baby everybody mentality. sees everything you do. And I think that the pressures on young people to conform to um, how to look, what to like, how to behave... Um, are huge because of social media. Um, I mean, my niece, who's uh, coming up 12, I mean, she only has, well, she's not meant to have anything, be careful what I say here, but she has, I think, Instagram, and that yeah. is all she's allowed, and she's only allowed it because we're on it as well. Yeah, so we know exactly yeah, what she's looking yeah, at. You can't yeah, say yeah. no then, can but you? The, <laughs> the, even just th the problems that causes, because she knows what her friends are up to, mm. she knows who's seeing who, she knows what, you know, it, it is... 
it creates problems where there wouldn't be otherwise. Yeah, it's like when a lot of um, like friend groups yeah. meet up and not necessarily yeah, invite one person. Exactly. They feel like I've been like I do that. I mm. watch other people why and I'm I like, why? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it can make you feel like people don't want to be around you. And yeah. particularly when you're dealing with mental health issues such as depression, mm. that can absolutely yeah. destroy your day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it can help. I think it can have a very good place in terms of accessing support groups. Oh, yeah, it's, it's not all bad. Raising awareness. Yeah, and without social Let's media. Let's face it, this is all on yeah, social media. Yeah, we wouldn't media. be, yeah. We yeah. Wouldn't yeah. be um, getting wouldn't the people we did it. without social media. But I think, it that yeah, it does have a big part to play, and I don't. I think now we've got it, we're not ever going to be without it, and it's mm. about managing that, isn't it? And I think, um, you know, the whole other area of the bullying and the cyberbullying is another huge, huge mm. area, which, as we know, has caused um, young people to commit suicide, um, because of the things they've experienced on cyberbullying. And it, let's face it, it's so easy, isn't it, to make a nasty comment about somebody that you're just typing into a computer. And, and when what you would put yeah. into there compared to what you would say to somebody's face. Right. I'm not talking personally, I yeah. wouldn't do either. Because you're dissociating you are, yourself yeah. from the comment you're because distanced. it's not you, you're behind a yeah. screen. And I think that the bullying side of things is, mm. is huge. And, and I, it, yeah, it's a real worry. When people are younger and they start making these comments, whether it's good or bad, they're, they're still learning. Most often kids, if you find like, a six, seven-year-old, or even uh, maybe up to the age of 12, mm. they'll say something horrible, and the person will get upset, and they'll go, oh, I shouldn't say that anymore. Mm. Yeah. That's bad. It, people are still learning at that age, yes. and because it, it's affecting younger and younger people, that is also playing a big problem in it. Yeah. Because because someone might not mean it offensively, but someone can take it offensively. Yes. Because mm. the person saying it doesn't know it's offensive yet. They have to learn that it's no. offensive, and the and person I think taking it knows it is. The interpretation is obviously very different as well when yeah. you're doing it on a, on a computer screen. What you mean... There's no, there's no body language. There's no, there's no absolutely. There's no voice it's you totally can't really Well, you know, yeah, if you've never heard someone speak and you see them typing, that's whatever mm. voice you put in your head. Is that mm. like yeah, that's yeah, yeah, it could be angry, could be girly, mm. could be yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm particularly sarcastic. And when I'm talking to my friends, they completely understand but how yeah. I'm saying <laughs> it. If you say something you a bit mean, it's fine. It's yeah. just sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah. whereas <laughs> if you're talking to a complete stranger and you use a sarcastic tone, you then realise they don't understand how I'm saying that. They just think you're bad. They just think you're a bad person. You have that issue, yeah. I think there is a thing there with the social networking, uh, social media as well, is that because young people are accessing it at a far younger age, um, when they haven't built up any resilience um, mm. to kind of the comments and things, I think that's a big thing as well. And I, again, I don't know how you stop that other than being, you know, it's the, the pressure on parents to allow their mm. it's children it's to it's have access vigilant. to these mm. things. Um is is enormous as well and I think it's one thing saying well no they shouldn't have access to it but then that creates problems in itself because then there's the you stigma you disassociate them yeah, from other friends exactly. because you're not the same um, it's, it's, um, and I think if you've got hard. responsible parents and or carers or whatever and they, they do police it and they're vigilant then that's great but you know we know that that isn't always the case. So young people are accessing stuff. We children are accessing stuff that they do really have to be careful be. though, because even children and young, you know, young teenagers deserve some privacy. Yes. You yes, can't you can't make an action on every single aspect of someone's life. No. Mm. Once you start to do that, that creates the same problems you're trying to prevent. Mm. So there is there's a fine line to yeah. find between being a good carer or a good parent yeah. of not s not policing them too much, but understanding no. what you need to know. Yeah, I think it's quite good to have. Um, I know with. Um, my niece, my stepdaughters mm. are friends with her on the things that she's friends with. And I'm sure there will come a point where she won't want, you know, boring Auntie mm. Helen or anybody else to be <laughs> to be her friend. But she'd probably be quite happy to have her cool cousins on there. Yeah. So it's kind of knowing that you've got, as a parent, that you've got somebody that's keeping a little bit of an eye on what yeah. 
what yeah. that what you're what they're posting even what they're looking at mm. yeah even um, at the age of 19 i mm. still have my mum and dad pretty much on every social media because sometimes it's nice to have that someone from the outside mm. just having that clear perspective of what you're actually posting yep mm. and yeah. like some of sometimes my mum turns around and is like are you sure you want to put that on there and then i look at it and i was like that that shouldn't be on social media mm. that should be kept within the privacy of my own home yeah mm. Yeah, and I think you you are right. You I mean there is Ryan. There does need to be a certain amount of privacy, but I think that with the huge dangers that there are posed to young people on, you know, it is about weighing up. Yes, okay, in that area, it's not about not being able to be private in other ways, but in that particular area, the the dangers are so huge, yeah, and the potential are. for and it's easy for them to happen as well. Yeah, it's and harm coming. Yeah, it's kind it's of you have to weigh risk. up what is what is more important: my young my child having privacy on social networking or potentially being groomed or you know I I whatever it might be um and i also think there's an element of if you are posting stuff on social media that you don't want your parents to see should you really be posting it anyway mm. or if yeah. you, that you don't want other people to well, see there's an element of that depends on the relationship you have with your parents it does yeah because there's a lot of stuff that i would post to social media True. when i was younger that i don't want my parents to see and i never okay. do or maybe not parents but a another adult somebody that somebody who's close who's to responsible you. that you're that you know because because for a lot of people the parents are the problem mm. not, not the yeah, initial problem but a lot of people it's a different generation the parents mm. yeah not yeah. even that but they the parents can be the problem and but that that's happened to me so i don't i don't think it's fair to say that every adult and every parent mm. should see whatever they put. Because no. if my dad, for example, I told him I had depression, told him I was on tablets and said, I'll grow up. Mm. I was 18. Mm. I was grown. Mm. I had a full-time job. I have a motorbike. I, I do life <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And to for him to turn around and say, oh, grow up, after telling him, there is a lot of things I don't want him to know. And he doesn't deserve to know. He shouldn't know. Because mm. he is not, he doesn't understand it. And he never will, because he's from a different place. No, nope, fair from enough. From a different time. So there. So I think, I think it's wrong to tell parents they should watch everything their kid does. Because... It's fair enough if they don't want their parents to know something. As long the as then they are talking to other people about. Yes, it. yeah. As long as you're getting the help. But obviously, that's th this yeah. all comes with don't sit in silence. Yeah. yeah. This all comes <laughs> with with that we're saying that as if that's already happened, and yes. then you do the mm. rest afterwards. Mm. But there's yeah, I, I think it's unfair to say that to be honest. Mm. But only because I've been through it. So yeah, I think so. Even if I'm the only one, that's enough proof. Mm. Mm. Definitely. You know. Yeah. And, and you can't you can't sit in silence. You have to. You'd be surprised once you delve into it how much there is support. Yeah, how far the rabbit hole goes. And yeah. people, people will listen. Uh, teachers, um, yeah. friends. If you sit down and say, "I have this," it's doing this. They will go. If if nothing else, they'll say, "You can go here." Or mm. yeah, I understand. And, and I think yeah, sitting in silence and especially with your own thoughts is the worst thing you can do. Well, every school should have a support worker. Mm, Every school should at least yeah. have a support definitely. worker or a TA that can deal with mm. this kind of mm. stuff. Otherwise, it shouldn't be a school because you have to look after kids' mental health. Yeah, definitely. So but again, it, it is needs there. to be. There needs to be more of them. Oh yes, entirely. Yeah, there needs to be more. Yeah, it is. It is going to be there. I think the poor pastoral managers in schools are absolutely run ragged, and mm. the yeah. things that they're having to to try and deal with, um, some of which are things that you know normally you'd have years of training to be able to deal with and they're coming to it from a you know mm. background yeah, from, from a teacher's perspective yeah. Yeah, yeah or not even a, you know not even have having had teacher training you know sort of a non-teaching role yeah do you um, think like even when you're um going through like a degree to become a teacher mm. particularly for secondary schools do you feel like there should be maybe part of the course yes. be 
training I on think mental because health? teaching has become how it has become and you're not just a teacher anymore you don't you're go in just to teach your subject yeah. well. you're you a are a, you're mm. a social worker yeah. you're a counsellor you're a you know it, it, the, the, the role is enormous mm. I mean that's another issue which we won't talk about now <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think the pressures on teachers are, are humongous as well but I think yeah if the, to be able to recognise things mm. to be able to have the skills in order to not obviously treat that young person or even necessarily help them but to be able to spot the signs mm. to be able to to deal with somebody that comes to you saying i'm doing this i'm cutting myself i'm feeling like this or whatever knowing how to deal with that you know it's not it's not enough just to have the odd inset training day on it, it actually mm. i do very strongly think it should be part of the teacher mm. training program now yeah yeah, I think I think we're gonna have to wrap up soon. Okay. Yeah, so as as one close. as one final <laughs> huzzah, if you will, <laughs> uh, could you just give me your kind of four or five things that you think are are the most important things about mental health for young people? Just like coping mechanisms or who to go for help. Just things that you think are the most uh, important. Not even that. I have one, and that's learn. Mm. I have the only thing I would uh, the only thing I can ever say that really that really helped me was was learn about what you have, study it, read about it, read articles, do do what you need to do to understand. Because once you understand, that power control flips. Because mm. when you what you what you do is when you have something you don't understand, you part of you fears it because it's unknown. Mm. Once you know that fear is no longer in control and you, you are in control, it. yeah. maybe not conquer, but you or can, or adapt, you can adapt control. Yeah, yeah, yeah control. You can take it. hand of it. But you need to flip that power mm. control. That's where that is. You need to know. You need to understand. You need to be educated and informed. Mm. I think I would say, uh, and this is probably to somebody that's, that's suffering um, mental ill health, but also to people that are supporting that person, is don't give up. As the young person that's, that's ha feeling like that, it might be that the first person you speak to, it doesn't really go anywhere and nothing does really happen. Don't then think, well, that's it, oh, I bother, then no one's obviously, you know, no one's going to help mm. me. Um, there's no point. Keep asking, keep talking, and hope, you know, somebody will pick you up and, and support you with that. And then to other people that are supporting the, the, the family and the friends is, yeah, don't give up. It's um, it's not a quick fix uh, for anybody, for any, any condition or illness. And I think, um, you know, I can certainly say... Uh, having family around me that kind of got me through it, kicking and screaming at times, um, wouldn't let me give up, and friends who give me a virtual slap every now and again um, is really, really key. And I think it's having that, that you know, that mm. sort of, they, it must, I can't imagine what it must be like. It must be the most frustrating thing to deal with somebody that is constantly sort of um, negative and, but it is so important to stick yeah, at it definitely. and to be there and to be there kind of unconditionally as well, no matter what they throw at you. Um, mm. You know, just don't give up on them because it will get better. It can get better. It usually does get better. Um, and it's having that sort of hope, that kind of light, I suppose. Okay, well, thank you very much thank to both of you for Pleasure. coming in. Yeah, thank you for having us. Um, next up in the next hour, we have Mikey, Joe, Hallam and Toby from the Film Real crew. Um, Hallam will be staying here, obviously. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just stay here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, guys. <laughs>